Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Rich Swerbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. I want to thank everyone for joining us for our latest TMC Connect presentation on the state of the FHA secondary market. This has been a topic we've been touching on uh, about every other week uh, since things started to change in mid-March uh, and continues to be a topic of great interest to the members. So uh, once again, we have our same excellent trio of panelists that I'll introduce in a moment here. And uh, just a reminder about the TMC Connect platform um, where we're doing lots of calls and sessions and educational content um, eight, 10, 12 times a week, depending on what's going on. Um, our electronic networking platform, Ask TMC, which features a uh, lender member only dedicated message board forum at ask-tmc.com and forums on LinkedIn and Facebook dedicated for our members to bounce questions, feedback, best practices off one another. And of course, our data benchmarking tool, TMC Benchmark, free as part of membership in TMC. It's a monthly data benchmarking tool um, that uh, the 50 or so most relevant metrics in running a mortgage banking operation is decided by our members. Uh, we're measuring that monthly. Um, all of our members are getting around the 20th of each month uh, that participate, a link to a customized dashboard uh, showing their production in the month that just ended prior against our whole network, their peer group within it. Pretty cool stuff. So, uh, and of course, we can get you more information on any of these benefits of membership uh, at any time. So, uh, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, this is a pretty damn good panel of uh, industry experts and uh, no need to change this group, really. Uh, start by introducing our panelists this afternoon. Uh, first off, uh, no introduction really needed here. Rob Crisman. Rob, thank you again for joining us. Hey, Rich. Hey, by the way, who can I file a complaint with? Because I thought this was going to be a video call and I took a shower on sun Sunday and shaved in preparation for it. Um, it's, it's just it's just it's just audio. So what the heck? Anyway. That would be me. It's my fault, Rob. But congratulations on showering. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> moved it up a little bit. But OK, thank you. Well, we have been moving more towards video and everybody is all over Amy and I to make these things exclusively video. I'm you know, in the process of getting my home office a little bit more video conducive and some other things. But uh, yeah, you may you may need to shower in uh, future episodes of uh, of this uh, session, Rob. So uh, Jason Marietto, our first lender member ever um, and uh, the chairman of our lender board of directors, uh, the president and CEO of Altera Home Loans out of Vegas. Jason, thanks as always. Thanks. Uh, uh Rich and uh, I'm, I'm glad Rob took a shower. I've been I've been showering daily, but I I also have been growing uh, my beard out really long. So I was hoping to get on video. I look a lot more like Santa Claus now. And <laughs> hashtag Latin Santa Claus. <laughs> duck, duck Dynasty. <laughs> now we all have something to look forward to next week. <laughs> and before we introduce Myrtle's number one fan, Rob, has Myrtle ever made a Zoom video appearance? Can can we? be the groundbreaker on that if not you know i will uh yeah you know i will show i will you know what i'll do rich on our session here we're getting a little off track but i myrtle is sitting in my lap as i speak and i will send a shot to amy and maybe she can figure out how to i even put on a tie for today's event by the way uh i will send it to amy and maybe she can get it on the screen somehow well, there are conspiracy theorists out there that believe that Myrtle does not really exist, is used just just for, you know, editorial humor, and, uh, and but we're going to prove those people wrong next week. You got it. <laughs> and Myrtle's number one fan uh, from uh, PRMG <laughs> celebrating their first ever billion dollar closing month, their CLO, Kevin Peranio. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Little little known fact, Rob, uh, I have a cat in our garage named Peppercorn, so maybe Peppercorn and Myrtle will get together one day. Myrtle's not that kind of gal, man. <clears throat> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Peppercorn, 
Peppercorn's a girl too, so maybe they won't get along. So we we don't have a cat fight. There we go. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So uh, the state of the FHA secondary market, as as mentioned before, a topic we've been kind of hitting on every every couple weeks here was kind of chatting with Rob before we broadcasted live. You know, kind of lamenting has much changed here. And I, you know, I said I'm not. I don't really think so, but you know, we keep getting great registered attendee numbers for these sessions. So I think people are maybe hoping something's going to change. Jason, I'll start with you as we have uh, on these uh, past calls. Uh, Just your your firm does a a a large amount of uh, government production. Um, What are you seeing in general? Pricing levels, the the overview of any changes, if any, of the FHA secondary market. Yeah, so in addition to Ginny, we we have about 17, 16, 17 other aggregators that we have in our model. And uh, it looks like, you know, the high FICO range where most aggregators are still between 250 and a little bit over 300 basis points off the TBA price. So, you know, SRPs still not existent. Negative SRPs are still pretty high. Um, much higher in the uh, lower FICO, lower FICO range. No one seems to be really coming in under 640. It really seems like the floor for aggregators is really around 660 in terms of being able to actually get a loan priced where you're not hitting up against the uh, the QM uh, levels. Uh, competition uh, wise, with other Jenny Direct. Uh, um, uh, servicers, um, you know, it seems to be a, a little less. I mean, people are, are are adding some sort of SRP value, or they must be in order to hit some margin targets. I, I'm expecting um, because it's a little bit more aggressive, and it's probably a price improvement of um, of around 200 or so, 150 to 200 basis points, uh, which obviously is a huge spread of improvement uh, down to the sales force, which which uh, is adding a lot of pressure uh, otherwise. Um, seeing the market slowly sort of coming back in this space, I think Movement Mortgage was the first company to put out something, at least from a marketing perspective, that they're going down to 620 FICO now. Uh, haven't seen anyone say they're gonna go lower yet, but I think uh, this month, as we've looked at the leading indicators, leads, right, credit report polls, et cetera, start, start to slow down a little bit. From the, from the March highs and the February highs of the interest rate drop um, and the refi boom, we're, we're seeing those leads now back then are now having effect on uh, volumes, at least for us uh, now, not as bad as we thought. So that's a big, we're excited about that. But I think uh, what is gonna happen with the market is um, lower volumes equal desperation for volumes. And so um, that means that probably folks will take more risk. Maybe that margin pressure will relieve, will come off a little bit um, because there still is a lot of juice in these, uh, in these Jennies. The problem is uh, I think May 1st, this, this, this is a really interesting week for, uh, I think, servicing because um, April payments were, you know, I think uh, hit or miss. Looking at the GSE's report, the report was about five and a half percent of loans asked for forbearance. This is the real month. Uh, Our borrowers, how many borrowers are not going to make their May payments? This is the real month. I think this month is going to drive a lot of pricing behavior going into mid-May and towards the end of May. And so maybe we'll have something better or different to report then. Jason, thank you for the uh, comprehensive overview. Really appreciate it. Kevin Perenio, uh, we always appreciate your uh, opinion on this topic. You guys are a buyer of uh, Govy product, wholesale and correspondent. You originated retail. Um, anything different you're seeing out in the marketplace uh, as compared to Jason's overview there? First of all, I think the invite for this meeting went out to all LinkedIn. So we have a really broad audience, I believe. So I'm not going to get too, too deep into the weeds um, unless people really, really want me to. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because everybody, everybody models their Ginny Mae pricing differently. Um, you're, you're probably your most conventional wisdom is whoever you sell to, you take whatever their best efforts rate sheet is and you, you pick the best one. 
and and you try and model around that as your starting point. So, uh, you know, I, I would say that's what a lot of lenders do. But there are there are many people now that are modeling to the actual price of the MBS and where it's trading in the market, and they're working off of that. And if you're if you're doing that as your pivot point, you're you are definitely seeing better FHA pricing out there as opposed to going off the, the best efforts price. So, um, you know, and, and, and so it just depends on the way you execute and the way you want to, you know, what you want to put out there, what your exposure is, um, you know, to Jason's point, you know, just, just to accentuate, you know, pre-crisis loans under 635 FICO, you know, the, the performance of servicing precipitously drops off. So, so when you saw credit tighten to some people having a minimum at 640, it's because at 635, the data historically shows loans just not perform below that FICO. Having said that, <clears throat> it's manageable. You know, it's manageable risk. And so I think as lenders, uh, especially buyers of Ginny, start to kind of get a, a feel for, okay, you know, we, we feel good about our cash position. Uh, we got all our margin money back or we don't have that much outstanding or enough that we can tolerate. We have enough set aside to deal with forbearance. Um, uh, risk and, you know, Ginny principal and interest advances, you know, for the period that it might last, you know, you model in, let's call it 10% default, you know, for, uh, for loans in your book and, and, and model in the cash, uh, you know, for six months, you know, that, and then you look at what cash you have left over and then you go, okay, so now what's my appetite with the cash I have to, to bring in new Ginny business. So, you know, those are kind of things that you think about. Um, I thought it was, brilliant marketing on movements point uh part to put out that article that hey we're going to service loans now and, and i think the headline actually was they're going to go to 585 go so it, it it was a brilliant timing to say that um but i think everyone you know this is our third call with the mortgage collaborative group and for those of you that haven't heard this um you know if you have a Ginny may ticket it's your best option i mean it's really it's by default i mean you could sell to the same aggregators you've been selling to in the past, you know, Wells, Chase, Penny Mac, Marahome, whoever, Lakeview, you can sell to them, but they're putting out literally a zero value for the MSR. So you're going to get, you're, you're getting terrible pricing because they're large servicers. They're not sure, you know, what their exposure is to the, their existing portfolio and their forbearance problem. So, you know, anyone that has a Ginny ticket, that's what you're doing by de facto, because that's your best execution in the cash window. So it's brilliant marketing, you know, when movement goes out and says, hey, we're going to service 100% of our business. And I'm like, well, yeah, we've been doing that for eight weeks, you know, but it's brilliant for them to say that because it gets people to go, oh, wow, look at they're making moves. But they also going down a 580 FICO, which is, I think, the bigger story uh, for those in the know. So they're taking more risk to go down there. Um, you know, we didn't time it this way at PRMG, but um, we reopened down to 580 FICO as of today for our retail channel. Uh, we have a hit. I think it's like a three-point LLPA from 580 to 599. And then from 600 to 619, you know, it, it goes down from there. And then we reduced our hits from 620 to 639. And then from 640 to 659, we reduced our LLPAs, plus made a base movement in uh, margin adjustment. Let's just call it 25 basis points for for, for discussion's sake. So again, not to get too in the weeds, but we are starting to see things kind of open up and loosen up a little bit and, and we're doing it and we're, we feel good about it because, you know, we got all of our margin money back. We feel that there's going to be stability in the MBS market. You know, the Fed, the Fed is actually reducing their payments, their, their mortgage-backed security purchases. So it came out firing like a, you know, on all cylinders with a bazooka, they nuked the whole market and, and rates, you know, MBS traded at all time um, levels, which forced a lot of margin calls. And, and, and then the MBA said, hey, you know, and Barry Habib was instrumental in this and other people said, hey, um, you know, maybe you're buying a little too much too fast. You know, we, we have other problems to deal with. And so what was interesting is the, the Fed, each of the last couple of weeks, you can see data out there and see that they're buying less and less overall. So like, hey, we're going to buy 60 billion this, this week. And then they only buy like, 52 billion. Okay, this week we're gonna buy 55 billion max, and then they only buy like 47. You know, and so they, they keep stair stepping it down. I think their max this this week is 50 billion, and they may not go over 40. So so it's bringing some, 
some stability for where MBS are trading, which is nice, which gives everyone a better feeling about, okay, you know, maybe I can, you know, start to, to feel good about my cash position and how I'm going to deal with forbearance with my modeling. And now I can turn around to my rate sheet and go, okay, I, I'm back to buying 585 again or, or whatever the case may be. And so the, those are kind of the, those are like our thoughts and how we're implementing things. Um, we, we think our next move will probably be um, improving base margin, um, you know, in, into next week and in the week after. We're reloading our locked pipeline. We like to look at our locked pipeline at the end of every Friday and especially the last, you know, basically going into the month to go, okay, what, what are we, what's expiring in April? What's okay. Now what's rolling over in the month of May? What's our complete lock pipeline? What's our capacity and underwriting? We figure about 85 million locks, $85 million in locks per day. We model that out. We go, okay, we can take in this much to be able to, you know, an 83% lock pull through and get it through underwriting at a tolerable rate, which, you know, even at two weeks in some centers, one week in some centers, three days in some, overall load balancing, whatever it is that we do, we feel good about modeling in and where the market is to, to look forward into May and then now start looking forward into June. And so, you know, beyond that, we're expanding our warehouse lines. We're getting more warehouse lines. You know, we, we, don't, we don't want underwriting capacity to catch up and ever have a problem where, where a warehouse line is a problem. And that's the capacity constraint. We can't have that. So, so underwriting capacity has been our constraint. And, and those are all of our thoughts and how we're thinking and, 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 and hopefully putting that all out there, you know, maybe get some gears turning for those on the call and, and maybe how to, you know, go back and operate with, um, with, their, with their respective teams. Yeah. Hey, I, I, uh, you just made me think of something, Kevin, and I'm just to add it. I think that's the, just to concur with you, uh, this is Jason, is, is LLPA movement, it seems to be week to week, where the base margins are generally when you look at comparisons in the, in the 700 plus FICO range, don't seem to move much, but the LLPAs are really, really fluid right now, uh, week to week. And I think it's exactly what you said in terms of uh, uh, everyone's getting a little bit more comfortable. It almost seems like to those that are not selling to uh, to uh, Jenny Direct on FHAs, you you might only have to worry about this for another, I don't know, maybe 30 to 45 days. I mean, as as the job market sort of somewhat stabilizes as well, and, pay, and people understand, uh, servicers understand what they're dealing with, um, I think maybe these pricing differentials will normalize in a in definitely. Yeah, you, I, I think under 60 days. Yeah, I. I agree. I like I like that assessment. You bring up a good point. Um, you know, you you know the jobless claim is interesting because you know that we get our next read tomorrow, and you know is it going to be less than the four point four million or four point two whatever it was that we saw last time? I mean, that's its own curve. It's being flattened, right? So there's a flattening of the curve there, and we're going to see if that continues to flatten um, with with the next latest read uh, when tomorrow's report comes out. As far as forbearance, this to your point, you know, today and tomorrow are the next big anticipated spike, and um, you know, it may not be as big as it was in early March, when people who immediately lost their jobs and knew they had no savings and couldn't make it immediately asked for help. But I, I think you know that 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 is a, a big spike. But again, I mean, you know, the LLPAs. It's interesting. You know, we, you know, we put out an LLPA adjustment. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, when we decided to to hold our ground at 620 minimum FICO and not go up beyond that, we we put out our mark there, and we put out our mark saying this is the worst it's going to get for for at least us at PRMG. And so it, we we are we are very cognizant about you know trying not to for us at least uh, flip our LLPAs. Um, every day but yeah if you're looking at the competition you're looking at maybe 20 or 30 other lenders yeah they're all starting to move around that's how they kind of get back in the game and so it looks like a lot of movement but i would say most lenders individually within their own walls are, are, are trying not to be so schizophrenic with their rate sheets and trying to say okay you know the worst is over it's getting better here's the move we're making happy hunting you know and then and then evaluate for a couple weeks and then maybe see you know, if, um, you know, most of the time we don't really announce base margin moves, but we would on an LOPA because it's such a big deal, but we rarely make either one. And so, you know, this is just unprecedented times for us to be doing both. I mean, you know, for, for us, our model has always been price consistency. Like you, 
you want your team and whoever sells to you, whether it's a retail channel or in our case, our wholesale Anando core channel, we want price consistency to be a thing of trust that we build with our, with our originators that sell to us. Um, and by the way, I love the title. Uh, you know, our slogan here, which is trademarked by the way, is built by originators for originators, you know, so we, regardless of channel, we're, big, we're, we're fans of serving the originator. And one of the things that we, um, I noticed the title of this uh, session was kind of similar, um, but we, we, we definitely think that price consistency is, is, is an area where every lender has a chance to build trust and, and, and with their originators that sell them loans. You know, a year ago, you know, one of the largest <clears throat> wholesalers came out and said, hey, you know, we're, we are now a price leader. And I mean, literally within days, they had to back off of it, you know, and then within, a, you know, then they started feathering out, you know, over weeks. And so it's really, it's hard to claim that spot because I think what everyone learned a year ago and certainly is learning now, there's more business than any of us can handle. And so, you know, there's $5 trillion in loans eligible for refinance today. Uh, where MBS are trading right now, we should all be seeing 2.75% 30-year fixed paying back a point or two on a rate sheet that that should be there but it's not there yet and, and to your point jason within you know 30 60 maybe 90 days we'll start to see all-time low interest rates and we will none of us this entire industry which does which did 2.2 2.3 trillion last year we do not have five or six trillion dollars in capacity to fund loans in the next 30 days we can't take a 30-day lock on every loan eligible for refinance and we all have great crms and we all have badass originators that are making the phone calls and our, and our LOs are, you know, are getting calls from consumers too, you know, cause they know what's going on. You know, they have information. So, you know, I, I would just say, you know, we, we can only, we can only control, we control, but as it relates to our pricing, I think we can only just come down, try and come down from here in, 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 in just find kind of like a homeostasis, you know, find a, find a spot where everything just kind of has some consistency and that's hard to do in a market like this. You know, there's just so much business out there, you know, um, especially on the refi side. Hi, Myrtle. I see you. <laughs> great, great stuff, guys. And before we get to uh, Rob and his thoughts on the current climate, the official uh, unveiling of Myrtle to uh, and her 100,000 fans to the mortgage lending world. And uh, Rob, you do have a tie, very impressive uh, pastel tie as we sit here on, what is it, uh, April 52nd uh, and uh, get ready for spring here. I like that. I think that uh, that was actually my dad's tie from about circa 1970. So I, I figured it looks, Ridge. It looks trendy. Uh, yeah, it's probably come back after 50 years. I, I figured that uh, uh, with the group that's listening, they need to take this material uh, uh, seriously. And the meeting, you know, this this session is important. And uh, somebody has to, you know, lend an air of gravity to it. So there you go. <laughs> Excellent. I, uh, that's great. You know, I don't have too much to add. Uh, I mean, over over the last 25 minutes. Uh, uh, Jason and Kevin really, really covered a lot of the bases. I will say that uh, one of the things that, that is creeping into the conversation on, on this particular product is the uh, is forbearance. And the, and the most recent MBA figures showed that, as you would expect, the forbearance uh, percent of FHA and VA borrowers is, is a 10% higher than everything else. Uh, which tends to be, uh, you know, about 7%. So you figure Fannie and Freddie are probably, you know, certainly less than 7%. So FHA VA up at 10% is causing some concern. And I wrote about it in my commentary today. I think that it's important for servicers or, or the companies that have the potential to service have to remember what the government has actually offered and what Ginnie Mae has actually offered, which is, uh, some relief on principal and interest. What isn't, uh, which is a which is a big concern, or what is a big concern right now is is taxes and insurance. And if uh, borrowers are not making payments, and the taxes and insurance that have to be come up with by servicers, I think is a uh, is a little bit of a cloud on the horizon. That uh, when you're modeling these things out in terms of servicing, it's important to consider. So it is a numbers game. 
Uh, and, and frankly, what, what Kevin and Jason were talking about, I, I've seen as well that, and as we talked about last time, you would expect once thing, things, will, things will take some time, but things will settle down uh, in terms of volatility, in terms of price relationships, in terms of loan level price adjustments and so forth. It's still a, a relatively profitable business, FHA and VA lending. A lot of independent mortgage banks have made a lot of money in the last several years with that product, especially with Wells and Chase, uh, you know, basically getting out of it on the retail side. And so it is good. Uh, it is good product to a great degree. And it is backed by the government. It's just a matter of being able to model out exactly what you're doing and, and, uh, and move accordingly. So I, like I say, but other than that, I really don't have too much to add to what they've been talking about over the last nearly half an hour. One question I had come in today from one of our members that I have not been able to get a crystal clear answer on is, you know, going back to what Kevin was talking about, um, you know, the anticipation of a really, really low rate environment in the months to come here is borrowers that are in forbearance currently uh, with Fannie, Freddie, and also Ginny, can they refi? I think Fannie, Freddie guide is that on a refinance, part of the, the guidelines is you have to make 12 consecutive on-time payments. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what the guideline is with Ginny, but does anybody know with clarity the answer to that question? So Rich, I will, I'll jump in and maybe Kevin... Jason do, but to the best of my knowledge, I, I agree with you. They, I mean, forbearance is, gosh, you don't, you, you're, you've suffered an economic hardship, whether it's a hurricane or whether you've lost your job and you cannot make your payments due to this economic hardship. It would, it would be very surprising if, if a borrower called them and said, Hey, I want to refinance. I know I haven't made any payments, but I want to refinance and I can't afford to make any payments, but I want to refinance anyway. And uh, sure, I can meet the ability to repay, but I can't meet the ability to. Re I can't make the payments on my current mortgage. I think I think that would be very surprising. I'd like to add to to this one. Um, the Office of Inspector General just put out recently a uh, an OIG bulletin for homeowners uh, on servicer requirements uh, for this, and uh, they're outlining 180 days. Uh, they're telling sort of borrowers what their requirements are and services what their requirements are. Um, and uh, 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 which is weird because they are also saying that a servicer must refrain from starting foreclosure action for 60 days, which don't coincide with the forbearance time that they get to have. So uh, it seems like this is still up in the air, but I wanted to add to this, this topic is uh, what we're starting to see is credit reports coming back and Kevin, I don't know if you've heard of, heard of this, but uh, coming back saying that uh, some sort of like natural disaster uh, code. And um, it's really weird because it doesn't say that the, they're, you know, they're late. It just says, I was trying to find it, um, affected by natural disaster or declared disaster conventional real estate loan, which kind of throws a huge red flag on on loans, and when we we've talked to uh, a handful of borrowers that have this point popping up on their credit report, and they've both not asked for um, any forbearance, and they've made all their payments on time. But now it caused question, um, you know, what do you do from a uh, uh, from an either origination or credit risk perspective? And I'm not sure why servicers are placing this on the credit report, or if it's coming directly from the uh, the credit reporting agencies. Maybe Kevin, you have some color on this, but it really is confusing, I think, uh, from an underwriting and credit risk perspective. Yeah, I, you know, it's so, it's interesting you guys are bringing this up. I So I have a, we have a mortgage banker association call every Monday morning. Uh, Gary Malice, my partner in the company, who's our chief strategy and capital markets officer, he's on um, an executive panel and then I'm on the wholesale executive panel, which was today. And this literally came up. So, so let me, let me, let me, let me just put a, a bow on what Rob Crispin uh, brought up about the T and I payments. You know, uh, I did a LinkedIn video last night using black Knight's data and the total estimated T and I payments that need to be fronted taxes and insurance 
okay, which there's no liquidity facility for, even with Ginnie Mae, is about 1.5 billion a month. So if there's, you know, that's with existing loans and forbearance. I mean, that, that's that's, you know, that's nine billion dollars to front for tax insurance. Of course, they're typically not due until November, December. So that that's a huge, huge constraint on liquidity. And um, and then I, now I'll bring it back into this refi thing and how it all ties together. So uh, for forbearance, the way it's supposed to be recorded by a servicer is um, it's basically it's supposed to be paid as agreed or it can't be marked forbearance. Let's just, let's say what it can't be. It can't be marked forbearance. And um, it could have the language defer deferment on there is how it could go. So we have a, we have a team of um, LOs at work in the building and, and the guy that manages it still coming in here. He's essential per the letter he received from, uh, Secretary Mnuchin, and he came over to my office yesterday and he said they had a deal and the borrower try, was trying to do a refinance and his credit report said forbearance because the bank he's currently with, bank, not a non-bank, you know, banks. Remember banks who were supposed to be the ones that bail us out of this mess according to um, some regulators. Um, this bank took this gentleman and, and reported to the credit agency that he is in forbearance this month. Now, what this guy did, and at least what he told us as a consumer, is that he called his bank, he asked or inquired about forbearance, may have actually entered the plan, but then he went ahead and made his April payment. So it shows he's in forbearance and shows he made his payment. So DU killed his deal today, right now, in April. He hadn't even missed a payment yet. So it's going to get very messy and very ugly um, just more unintended consequences. You've got thousands of customer service people being stood up and taught to talk to millions of consumers about forbearance on a topic that the expert customer service agent probably just started their job, or certainly if they know their job, they just started talking about this concept. And so it's going to, it's going to be very messy on the servicing side. And so, um, you know, how it's supposed to be reported is is there should be maybe a slight way to know it, but it shouldn't really impact the way bars are able to um, to be viewed as far as uh, as their credit until you determine how they work out of it. So in servicing, there's what's called a cascading waterfall. Some people just call it the waterfall. This is like the order of things a servicer says, okay, let's get you back current. How do you want to do it? Would you like to make a, sum, a lump sum payment? So if they do that and they only miss the payments for being in forbearance because of COVID-19, they're supposed to be reported by that servicer as if nothing happened or paid as agreed. Maybe a word in there will say deferment, but it's not supposed to impact um, their, their DU or LP findings. That all remains to be seen because other than that one anecdotal example I, I heard of yesterday, and I, and I heard of a couple others on my MBA executive call this morning. You know, you know that that's all we're really hearing. It's still a little early, and so in that waterfall, one of the things that that um, FHFA and the MBA are working to move up higher in the waterfall is either option two or three, is what's called basically a secretary lien. So whatever your lump sum is that you missed, all your payments, whether you made partial for the TNI or partial payment or you missed all of it, whatever that lump sum is, to take that amount and slap it on as a lien, which is paid uh, and due um, on, on payment 360 or as the loan pays off. Now, uh, that would be considered, I, I think by all intents and purposes, um, a loan modification. And that would certainly negatively impact you know, this loan. So th there's a, a lot of different ways this can play out depending on you know how the workout is done. I mean, there's you know, there's a whole, there's a whole waterfall uh, information put out for servicers by Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Do reinstatement, which is the lump sum. Repayment plans, spread out what you owe over the next three, six, nine months, which is less egregious. Discuss modification programs, extended modification overview, cap and extend modification, flex modification. Anything with the word mod is obviously going to affect their credit, which is why I've been jokingly talking about the carp loan and how we're going to be going carp fishing later this year because we had the harp, we had the hamp. 
And um, I, I, I lovingly but, uh, named the CARES Act Refinance Program, the CARP loan. I mean, the Fed is going to have to do something. Treasury, excuse me, Treasury is going to have to do something to help these borrowers in forbearance that are not going to be able to take care of, take advantage of historic low rates because they have a forbearance credit issue, which is killing them in DUNLP. There's going to have to be something done specifically for them. And I don't, I don't see a way of manually underwriting all these with Fannie Freddie. Um, you know, there's going to have to be, you know, so perhaps we have the CARP loan, which for those of you that are in Texas or um, Louisiana is a great giant stinky, nasty fish found in the creeks and canals, which you don't want to eat, but nevertheless, that forbearance CARP bomb is going to be dropped on all of us. So that, that's kind of that's kind of what we're staring down. Obviously, there's still more data, more information to come. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, we got about 14, 15 minutes left. I think it goes without saying at this point, we want these calls to be interactive. Welcome your questions. Uh, we've got a few in, including a couple that uh, we've gotten consistent questions on. Um, the first is related to, we've had a lot of members inquiring about getting approved, getting to get their Ginny ticket for all the obvious reasons. Um, the question we've got is, are there any consulting firms or companies that are worth the money they'll charge you um, that can help aid that process? I don't know if anybody knows of any. So <clears throat> at the at the risk, Rich, of alienating every consulting company that's a member of TMCs <laughs> that's, that's on this call, I will, I will say that the companies out there, I believe that the process is relatively straightforward. Uh, it's relatively well spelled out on, on Ginny's site. And the, um, the, it's, it's like a, uh, it's like going to the Matterhorn, you know, the Matterhorn is going to go at the same speed, whether you know a Disney employee or not. And so I, I think that the consulting consultants, at one point, we're saying, well, we'll get you to the front of the line, which I had heard really wasn't the case, uh, and that you kind of join in with anybody else who's in the approval process. So like any government, like any government approval process, it's just you go through the mechanics and it, and it takes a while. It's not going to be, you're not going to get approved next week. It's just going to, it's a process. So from what I understand, the answer to your question is no. Uh, consultants really can't speed anything up and, and the application process is relatively straightforward. And then the next one, which uh, may be a good one for Jason and Kevin is, uh, can anyone speak to the experience of purchase of loans that go into forbearance within the first 30 days after closing? I'm not sure if we're quite there yet. It's This is probably going to become a huge topic. I don't know, uh, Jason, Kevin, this is a big fear of our members, especially our small IMB members that uh, you know lack the ability to take back loans and got to get them off their warehouse lines. I was going to let Jason talk. <laughs> you go I mean, I, I don't mind talking. I mean, I don't, I don't mind saying it if you want, if you want to add, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, if, if a loan, you have, you have to know who you're selling the loan to. So it, I, I would say that not only is the best pricing execution Fannie or Ginny right now, uh, but if you're selling to the cash window, you're settling very quickly. So to, to Rob's point, having your Ginny ticket is super, super important. If you don't have that, and you are selling to an investor or, uh, or lender about, uh, you know, and they're putting out their policy. Hey, you know what? If you sell us a loan and it goes into forbearance, you know, we're going to make you buy it back or purchase it or whatever, whatever, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a major problem. I mean, that is um, a, a tremendous problem and uh, nobody wants to do new loans. Now I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of be positive here. I think that we have a lot of control upfront operationally on new loans to make sure we're, we're really limiting doing loans that go into forbearance, you know? So I, I think, I think the work, the worst is over for new loans, right? So, you know, don't, I mean, for sure, don't in underwriting, don't make any exceptions right now for anyone that has a reduction in income. If, if they have a reduction in income, use the reduced income. If they qualify, okay. If they're on furlough, Get back to us when you're back on your job. If they're unemployed, obviously you have no loan. So, you know, this is not a time for an originator to go, oh, please just 
you know, they've been on this job for seven years and I know they're making half of what they were making because of it. I'm sorry. You know, that this is exactly the kind of loan that is going to not perform. And, and, and so let, let, let them come back to us when they get back on their feet there. If we're at 20% unemployment, we're at 80% employment. And so $5 trillion in loans eligible for refinance. And, and if you break out the income levels of those who lost jobs, most of them aren't, are in, you know, service industry, hospitality jobs who are, you know, $20,000 a year jobs, $25,000, $30,000 a year jobs, depending on your market that may not even be in your first time home buyer realm, but please don't do any new loans um, based on prior income. So, so yeah, it is, it is serious exposure. This is serious business. If you do a loan and you sell it somewhere and they have a problem with it because it went into forbearance, that is, that is a massive risk for all of us on this call. So, you know, but I think it's a risk we can all mitigate very well. And, and so I hope that um, someone said, KP, are you say if the bar takes forbearance and they cannot pay the lump sum at the end of the forbearance and the servicer adds the missing payments to the back of bars. Yeah. Yes. I, I believe that would be considered a loan modification. Um, I, I don't have a hundred percent, you know, um, answer on that because it hasn't happened yet. Cause I mean, when does the forbearance window end? When can people stop asking for it? June, July, you know, when every county and city is officially out of shelter in place, you no longer can ask for it. How long are they going to go? What is the mechanism for them to stop? They're just going to take it because they can, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions there. So, um, and then where would you point consumers to read more about forbearance in layman's terms, not lender geek talk? Um, Scott, my brother, I would, um, I, I'm pretty sure that if any bar Googles forbearance, they are going to find information. And and what I like about that question is as a lender for all of us, it actually, it, it, it shields us away from having to be the direct contact with the consumer. I told my loan officers, I went to my retail division manager like four weeks ago. I'm like, stop talking about forbearance. Just, just stop talking about it. Stop talking. And then I know, I know that, I know that's an extreme and I know that's not reality, but I'm just saying, let, let's not have our originators be customer service on behalf of servicers answering questions about forbearance. So then when you do the new loan and then the bar goes into forbearance after you close and fund it, they go, oh, well, my loan officer at, you know, over at Altero, they were telling me everything about forbearance. Yeah, yeah I, got all the, I got all the low down from them. So, you know, that's the last thing you want if you sold that loan to someone else for them to say, well, yeah, they were talking about it. So, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of resources online. Um, FHFA, Mortgage Banker Association, Fannie Mae, Ginnie Mae, Freddie Mac, they all have tons of resources online about forbearance for borrowers to get information. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, we had Brian Montgomery, FHA Secretary uh, on TMC Connect on Monday afternoon, and he mentioned they were working on a video right along these lines, um, you know, for homeowners that uh, were inquiring. So uh, when we get that, we'll, we'll pass that along to the network. As hey, well. uh, uh, um, yeah, by the way, Kevin, our loan officers are not telling them don't, don't, don't pay your mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but the G- <laughs> well, we haven't had the experience either, but what we heard from the GSEs was um, if uh, you're going to put it on the tail end, that's going to be a loan mod changes everything. A loan mod, I mean, a, a forbearance is really structured around the repayment of, of, of that short forbearance period um, within a six to nine month on average structure. So tacking something onto the end from what we're told, like I said, we haven't experienced it yet, is, uh, is, is a loan mod. And so I think that's probably the direction you're going to see it all go. So to answer that question, I think the answer is yes. And, and I, uh, and I agree with that. And, and what I would say is, but because specifically for COVID-19, CARES Act forbearance, you're seeing it kind of get a special designation. Yeah. And, and that's why I feel that this CARP loan is coming to be able to, to take care of this special instance. This isn't like a normal loan mod or normal forbearance for a hurricane, tornado, or straight line windstorm for a FEMA de- de- declared disaster. You know, I feel like this is going to get special treatment. And, but I agree. It, it it's absolutely is, by definition, a loan modification. Excellent. We've got just a few minutes left. And just a reminder, coming up at the top of the hour at 
4 p.m. Eastern, our recurring weekly session, the Capital Markets Update from the Frontline, uh, which features uh, Victoria DeLuce from Success Mortgage Partners, Mike Androvich, um, and uh, I think they have Rob Kessel from Compass Analytics coming on today and uh, continue the conversation, Capital Markets conversation um, in about 13 minutes here. So, um, so just wrapping up. Sorry, yes. sorry about that. Real quick, just on one of the questions about loans that go into forbearance within one to 30 days from close. Um, just on that question, if you have any of your tickets, I would suggest retain as much as possible so that you can work through this a little bit easier than having to deal with a repurchase request. But don't forget that uh, on the GSC side, there's there's a 500 to 700 basis point uh, kind of a I forgot what they call it, but I'm, I'm calling it like a scratch and dent type of uh, an event. And uh, maybe with your aggregator, you want to have that discussion if it comes up rather than have to repurchase it because the scratch and dent market doesn't exist today. So if you have to repurchase a loan, you're going to be holding on to it for a little while. Um, it seems like they're, you know, that S&D market's coming back. It's probably going to come back pretty weak if it does or when it does. Uh, we're seeing some non-QM uh, uh, companies starting to open their doors back up and that's sort of where that lives a little bit. Um, and so I would really focus on working, doing some workout plans with in your aggregators if it comes to that rather than uh, buying these back. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and I'll just add, you know, I know, I know we're trying to close. I, I, I'm so glad Rich, you guys are having Rob Kessel on, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he is Compass Analytics. They're a great hedge advisory firm. Full disclosure, we use them. My partner Gary here is on the hedge uh, is on the advisory board for Compass. Rob himself is an MIT grad, so if you haven't had exposure to him, he's just a very brilliant person. I mean, literally, Rob and Gary Malice together created the bulk AOT hybrid security. So for for those of us in the second market. You know, there's bulk bidding and then there's assignment of trade. They literally created a hybrid, which was adopted and used widely. Wells, PennyMac, everyone else is pretty much the only way to do it now. It, it's this, this guy's fascinatingly um, intelligent. Um, I know you guys, you know, I'm kind of half kidding when I talk about the CARP loan. I really do think it is something that's going to come along. And um, I don't think it's by coincidence that a CARP is a, a disgusting fish. Um, I, will, I, I will throw out another thing. You just got to know how to cook it right. Yeah, brother. I, I've had it, and it's disgusting. And I just prefer other fish. That's all. I, you know what? To be fair, I'm not a big fish eater. So, um, But, but uh, look, <laughs> Rob, Rob is uh, – I, I, I'm, I'm more of a, of a meat guy. I'm from Texas. But um, Rob brought up a really awesome point when he brought up the taxes and insurance earlier. And um, I did a little, a little quick math last night, and I think – the exposure for servicers to pay out as of, as of right now, modeling in maybe a little bit more with the spike we'll see this week. It's about $30 billion. Okay. So, so $30 billion has to be, has to come out of nowhere for bank and non-bank servicers alike to pay for um, Ginny May uh, principal and interest advances at uh, Fannie and Freddie principal and interest advances for the first four months. Taxes and insurance advancement for the entire time, you know, and that and that's not modeling in any losses down the road for 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 forbearances that ultimately go into uh, full on default foreclosure. Which, from our historical perspective, when a hurricane hits, we've seen FHA go from basically double, go from a, go to about five percent, almost six percent default rate. Default that means they're going to into foreclosure. Um, they don't come out of forbearance ever. And so, so um, I, I coined a, um, a, another little phrase last night, it's the 30 for 30, right? So we need, we just need $30 billion in liquidity right now, okay? We need FHFA, Fed, Treasury. You know, I know, I know that they're handing out trillions like it's hotcakes. They're buying high yield, AKA junk bonds for companies that 40% of them will fail, but they don't wanna give $30 billion to an industry that was absolutely crushing it on cruise control before this stupid dude in Wuhan ate a bat or it was made in the lab and released accidentally or on purpose, whatever you read or believe, who knows? We'll get to the truth, I'm sure, someday. 
We need $30 billion to fix the forbearance liquidity problem to get ASAP. We need it right now to get the housing market back to where it was, where it was cruising. So we can do more 30-year fixed loans. We need 30 for 30. That's what we need. So we, we need that from our regulators. You can go sign the Mortgage Action Alliance petition that's out there. Look, Congress signed this and made, uh, created this act and signed by the president. The CARES Act. I mean, if, if, if Mark Calabria is saying, you know what? It's not my call. I'm just following the CARES Act and we're kind of broke too. Treasury stole all of our $240 billion the last, you know, 10 years. I mean, I, I, he's got to manage his private, quasi-private entity, even though they're in conservatorship. We need $30 billion right now for all of us to be able to take advantage of these 30-year fixed, low, historically low interest rates. That's what we need as an industry. And so the more we do these kinds of calls and, and, and get the word out of our 30 for 30, that is, um, that is, where, that is where we need to go. So I just want to leave it with that, Rich, That's unless you want. I love it. This what a historic call! The unveiling of Myrtle and Rob's pastel tie, uh, the the first uh, formal call for the CARP program, the thirty for thirty thirty billion dollar in liquidity uh, pitch, uh, all here uh, TMC Connect April 29th. So great stuff. Excellent. Uh, as one last reminder, in seven minutes, um, our weekly. State of the Capital Markets update from the front line call. If you're not registered and want to join that, go to mortgagecollaborative.com. Go to our member event calendar. You can register there. Uh, once again, always a very informative and entertaining conversation. Uh, Jason Madiedo, Kevin Peranio, Rob Crisman, thank you all very much. And we're likely to tap on your shoulder again very soon to recreate this. I will say, uh, Rich, in a, in a it's a small world category. So I've had one social distance dinner in the last month and a half, and it was last night with Rob Kessel. So nice. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> two, that's two, br- two brilliant minds together. I would love to been a fly on the wall there. No, I, I was liquored up, so I don't re- remember much about it, but it was. It was <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, guys. Thank Have a great afternoon, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.